Okay, so Hans, I think we should go ahead and get started. I'm very, very excited to have all of you here today. Thank you so much to our Encona friends and, uh, and welcome, really welcome to the webinar. Um, so I'm very excited. I'm Dr. Alicia Gabriel. I'm actually the VP of Operations for the Americas. Um, I'm located in the Detroit area. And for those of you who are joining us who may not know about Encona, Encona is a globally operating company and we provide training and consulting services for the automotive and auto, auto, um, aerospace industries and also others as well. But one of the reasons why we're having this, this webinar today um, is because we've been, see, been receiving a lot of questions, uh, particularly about um, effective implementation of certain requirements in nearly all of the management standards and customer specific requirements or CSRs. And so what we've done as Encona is analyze all of these FAQs and, and we get these things every day, right? And one of the topics that came up that consistently comes up is around enterprise risk management. And so for us, that it's very important and it's very clear to us that you all are very interested in this topic. And we thought that we would conduct this webinar to really help uh, for you all to understand this topic and actually take some of these tools and knowledge back to your industries and to your companies. So in our last webinar, uh, we did get some questions. In fact, we got a lot of questions, which is great. We really encourage you all to answer questions. And uh, what we're going to do is um, just ask that you guys use the chat feature at the bottom, but also uh, the Q&A function as well. So if you have a particular question, um, just use those functions for us and we will definitely try and answer your questions as quickly as we can. And we will actually answer the questions and have a Q&A session at the end of the webinar. So please stay tuned for that. So another thing as to why I'm very excited for today is because of course, we couldn't ask anyone else but our resident expert and founder and chairman of the board of Encona, Encona Globa, Mr. Hans Trunkenpoltz. Thank you so much, Hans, for joining us and hello to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Alicia, and hello to everybody out there. It's, it's always a great pleasure to follow your invites and, and, and I truly hope that I can bring some clarity to this topic of, of, of today. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's start this conversation here. So the IETF 16949, they've introduced a number of new requirements in the 2016 version. And I'm, I'm sure that our participants know a lot about that. Um, but one of them is the implementation of risk management, not only for manufacturing processes where we use FMEA or failure modes and effects analysis, of course, for many, many years, but really all the support processes. And you as an IETF, third-party certification auditor, you I, I already know, you get to see countless numbers of companies across the world who now are observing how ERM is being implemented or how it should be implemented. So from your experience, can you share with us, can you share with all of us who are here in the webinar, uh, what is the current situation around this particular topic? Yeah, um, th th there are a number of them. I think one of the main topics, Alicia, is that, and ITF does that with 
with nearly all of the requirements where it, it doesn't really specify as to how enterprise risk management should be implemented. It, it, tells, it tells the reader of the book, if, if I may call it that, just that you have to do it. But it's not very specific in, in how to do it. And the incorporated ISO 9001 standard is, is the same. So, so the companies are sitting there with an issue to implement something that where we might not have the competence in the organization as of yet, but it's not very specific in, in, in how exactly should that happen. And, uh, that, is, that is one of the big issues. Uh, another issue that we, that we observe out there is that enterprise risk management or risk management is, is, is not conducted in a very systematic way, in, in, in a structured way. For, for argument's sake, when you have big corporations, big corporations, you have those head offices somewhere in the world, and then they have manufacturing sites all over the world. They do have risk register in corporate, but how that is cascaded down to the plants is, is, is in most of the cases not structured. And, and the risk analysis results you get to see in the plants often do not talk with the risk register as stipulated in, 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 in the head offices. Uh, another issue that, that I would like to bring up is that ITF, ITF is, is organized and structured in different chapters, okay? But in order to implement an effective enterprise risk management from the ITF standpoint of view, one needs to seek into several different chapters and connect specific requirements to one another to have at the end an effective enterprise risk management, which is possible, but it's a little bit tricky and it requires really fast experience and knowledge within the ITF requirements book to get all those bits and, and, and pieces together. And, and last but not least, sorry folks to say that, um, what we also find is that there is just the competence missing for enterprise risk. Mm. Um, there's too much ticking the box risk analysis results from all the processes identified uh, just to pass audits, but not really having an effective use for the organization. So, so competence of, of enterprise risk management is, is, is definitely also one, one of those issues. So that makes it up to those four main topics that I would like to bring forward when, when you ask me as to what is the situation. So, so, so as risk management um, implementation or effective implementation in the organization has pretty much failed in, in, in most of the cases. So that's why I'm also not very surprised and you just said it earlier that your, your FAQ analysis uh, spit out the, the enterprise risk management. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so I, I completely see what you're talking about. And, and I think that that's a pretty straightforward summary of, uh, of what's happening, what the current situation is uh, globally. So now that, you've, now that you've pointed out these problems and you know, as to why we're sitting in this situation, which is obviously not favorable, what would you now 
recommend to the audience, right? So can you give us some, some knowledge and, and just from your, your expertise and, and experience, um, what would you recommend that the audience actually do to implement effective enterprise risk management? Sure. Uh, yes, be, 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 maybe before we, we get to this, uh, Alicia, maybe it's interesting to understand that enterprise risk management has been documented also in an international standard. Mm -hmm. So when a company onboards an engineer, you want to have a qualified engineer. If you want to onboard an, a qualified auditor, you need to have a certain qualification. But where are these qualifications coming from? Also based on international standards. And, and you, get, you get the competence then to, to your organization. And, and many mm -hmm. of you ask me still, are there any international standards that, that describe and document an enterprise risk management. And for that, uh, I prepared a couple of slides that I would like to talk you guys through to get a little bit of a visualization into this whole discussion here. So Great. I'm going to quickly, quickly share the screen. So, I trust everybody. Huh? Okay. All right, cool. So, So there is an ISO standard 31,000 that is an international standard that describes basically an enterprise risk management process. And the interesting thing, and this is how I put all these slides together here, folks, for you, is to, to get an understanding how we get that connection between this international standard and where do you exactly find it in terms of requirements within the ITF. And uh, we're gonna do this all together but firstly, let's roll out how this ERM process looks like in, in, in the ISO 31000. It starts with establishing a content. That's basically your business DNA. So what product lines do you have? How many companies do you have? Do you have remote locations and all that? Because the context of the organization, as we will also speak about a little bit later in chapter four, uh, is extremely important as an input information for your enterprise risk management. This is basically where it starts. The context of the organization is basically nothing else but your, 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 your company ID, your, 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 yeah, your, your, your company ID, so your identity. Mm -hmm. And then the standard talks about how and in what way are we identifying such risks. And so we apparently need some risk fields uh, to be determined out of input information that the organization should provide. And we analyze the risk. This is basically, the ones of you that are familiar with the FMAs, Alicia, you just talked about that. Mm -hmm. Very good example that risk identification would basically be the determination of failure modes, if you want to call it. The risk analysis now be your cause analysis and your impacts and all that. And then your risk evaluation would be basically the rating of your severities, occurrence and detections. Okay. 
And if you find that RPN or in the new version, your action priority is too high and the standard speaks about a risk appetite. If it's above your, your risk appetite, you then have to respond to the risk and, and put some actions in place or risk mitigation uh, in place. And, and then this process goes a, a lot further when it says there's got to be an effective communication and consultations between the departments from a head office perspective all the way down to a plant for the big organizations or internally for the small and medium enterprises. And on the other side, of course, it needs a regular monitoring and reviewing of the process. And that's basically it work as this international standard has defined an enterprise risk management process. And there's a lot of, lot of issues in there or topics in there that we will now have to find in the IITF requirement to get all the strings together to flow through the requirements and implement an effective ERM process. And, and many of them you will, you, you, you will find and uh, I actually also documented in one of the slides the roadmap for, for, for that. And uh, what is interesting as well, there's another international standard, Alicia. Okay, okay. ISO 31010. And that is also a very, very interesting international standard as it provides 24 different risk assessment techniques and methodologies. You would find here on the bottom here, you would find on the function analysis, it would say provides five different methodologies. One of those five would be your, yeah, as you said, your, your, your PFMEA or your design, your FMA in, in, in general. Um, because the ITF clearly talks about, you should use methodologies to, to, to tackle the risk, uh, bearing in mind what is the complexity of the process itself. Absolutely. Don't use an FMEA for each and every process and sub-process. So there's a variety of different methods one can choose from um, in order to, 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 to assign the right methodology uh, for, for, for the processes that you find. Mm -hmm. This is, there is an international standard for risk assessment. However, uh, and this is, this is very important to, 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 to address here. Mm -hmm. Everywhere we go and do these audits, we just find that there is insufficient competence to, 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 to implement an effective enterprise risk management from, from, from top down into each and every corner of the organization. Right. right. Yeah. Very, very good. So at least from my estimation, Hans, um, these look pretty straightforward. Um, and, and it, it, you know, these are international standards. They seem pretty straightforward. So my next question is, why haven't companies started to use these standards for uh, the implementation or to drive that implementation? Uh, what, what's the, what could be the issue here? Uh. Uh, Alicia, I, I, I don't think I can answer that question as to why the organizations mostly failed to, to do so by, by having such standards on board. Uh, but what I can do for, for the audience is to, to explain the complexity, what it means and where you find the requirements. 
requirements about risk in general in the ITF standard. And that leads me to the next, uh, to the next um, slide here where you basically see all the, uh, from chapter four to chapter 10, this is basically how the ITF is structured and also the ISO 9001. And you have from, from starting from chapter four, from the context of the organization, three leaderships and planning and support and ops to your performance evaluation and improvement, basically following that PDCA circle that uh, probably all of you have heard about and probably also implemented in, in your organization. But if you have a particular look into in what chapters actually do we find anything that is related to risk, and, and this would be the result in every chapter. Yeah. And, and, and I must give everybody that. And that makes it, and that makes it challenging because not in every chapter risk, risk related requirements will be supportive for your enterprise risk management. And, 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 and that is a complex complex thing to do to, to get this together. That's why I really put some efforts in when I followed your invitation here to find a way to visualize actually what requirements in the ITF uh, we need to look at and in what process flow and later with a PDCA dial uh, to see what do we need to consider to implement that, that risk management uh, in, uh, in, within the organization. Okay. I just wanted one more slide uh, from the back here. That is also part of the ISO 31000. And, and that's particular called, called, uh, called the, the risk management drivers. So what kind of drivers are there present within an organization and around an organization uh, that need to be considered when, when, when running a, a risk register through all processes within the organization? And the interesting thing is there is your internal drivers, which you can see in that circle in, in, in the center. And then it's accompanied by, by, by external drivers with financial risks, infrastructural risks, reputational risks, and, 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 and marketplace. So, so often when we do risk assessment or risk management implementation as a consulting service from Ancona, we print exactly this slide and we plot it. So it's part of the workshop room where we sit together as we are always using as kind of like of a checklist, if you want to call it that, once we go through all the processes to understand which of the internal drivers and external drivers may potentially affect the process that I own as a process owner. Uh, we spoke about process owners uh, during, during the, the last webinar uh, last month. Uh, so this is also a very helpful tool uh, for, for you guys to have kind of like a, uh, a checklist character when going through the, the, the risk assessment. Let's see. F further now. Yeah. Um, what, I try to, what I try to visualize here now for you is how does this enterprise risk management or the, the steps, the, the process flow, where do you find the specific requirements okay, in which chapter and how should it flow through the organization in order to get to an effective ERM? Hmm. And, uh, and uh, I start with, with, with number one. As I addressed it already, one of my top four, 
There is a requirement in 716, which asks for the specific knowledge of the organization. Um, what this requirement actually wants to tell us is, does the organization identify and determine the necessary competence and knowledge that we need to drive our operations within our context? That's what it's all about. And I, I, I put it, I put the requirement out here, and this is where we failed. Uh, where, especially in the second part or in the lower part of this requirement, where it says, when addressing changing needs and trends, the organization shall consider its current knowledge and determine how to acquire or access any necessary additional knowledge. And this is my point here. You, you, you talked about the 2016 upgrade of, of the ITM. It, it yep. was indeed a new requirement. And of course, everybody read about this. And of course, everybody, no, nobody ignored it. But what should have happened is exactly what is stipulated here in this requirement is, are we determining that as a changing need? Are we having the necessary competence for ERM in the organization? And if not so, how do we acquire that? Right. right. And, and it can only be the case, and, and from all these audits, when we discuss enterprise risk management, uh, I'm sorry to say, there, there's, there's not much benefit from what we get to see. It's just ticking the box to pass an audit. Uh, and it's not based on a competence that we gain for the organization to drive it properly from head down, because enterprise risk management process owner can only be your top dog. Right. That must be a top, top, top down process. Okay? Yeah. That cannot be delegated to the process owners of the world and say, please do this for us. That is a, a heavyweight demand and requirement from, 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 from the ITF and can only be owned by the top dog of the world. Right. Very top down. Mm -hmm. The second yeah. one, first, once we, once we, once we now gain that competence and knowledge for the organization, now that we understand as to what is risk, then we go into understanding the organization and its context. Because yeah. as I said earlier in 4.1, so now you can see already, you, you, you're swapping now from, from chapter seven requirement into chapter four. Mm -hmm. So, so to get this all together in a flow, this was my idea now for you to, to bring some clarity. Uh, the organization and its context. Also, also what we get to see mostly documented in the quality management manuals is, <laughs> is, is, is incomplete. And there is so much choose in that context definition when we talk about internal and, and external issues. I also prepared you some practical examples. There is so much input information into your ERM process uh, that should really be used and, 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 and utilized. So, so basically this requirement says to determine those external and internal issues, which is, which is actually supporting the definition of a context, which is part of the context of the organization. And just to give you a little bit of a, of, of a heads up, how, how, how complex it is to determine such internal and external issues, 
I just put a couple of examples together here for, for in this particular case for external issues. So we have economic issues, social ones, technology, the market issues. So there's a variety of different issues every organization has to deal with. And the list is even longer going into legals, into political issues and cultural issues, depending on the size of the corporation. We have big corporations out there with plenty of factories around the world where the cultural issues become uh, a lot more relevant, if, if I may call it that. And, and also from the internal issues side, the human side. And there you can see in one competence that already talks with the clause 716, where we said, what is the competence that we need for the organization? Maintain mm -hmm. processes within our business context. Resource management, organizational issues. So there's such a variety of, of information once this is done professionally, properly with the right competence on board that you can now use as an input document for your ERM, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Once we have those, once we have now, and yeah, this is a, maybe the pestle diagram. That's mm -hmm. a also nice way to, to document your internal and external issues in the organization. Um, I'm sure there's so many uh, followers today. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of, of you out there that maybe also use these pestle diagrams and especially made for, for those internal and external issues. The next step, once, once the, 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 the issues are clear, then we need to understand, which is also a brand new requirement from the 2016 version in ISO 9001 and ISO 9000, mm -hmm. is stand and determine the interested party. Because ITF is clear, it said once you, once you identify all your interested parties right. and you understand their expectations and needs. This is basically all your customers. Right. So a violation of their expectations and needs should be used as an input for your enterprise risk management. Absolutely. This is, this is extremely important. And there you say, we need to not identify the interested parties. You find that in most of the quality managed manuals but when you look at the requirements and, and the needs, then it's becoming very, very slim, if, if mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. And that perspective cannot be really effectively used as an input information. So now that we have the knowledge on base, we have the, the context of the organization and we understand the expectation needs of the interested parties. We're now building our processes because ITF clearly stipulates that we're not only doing enterprise risk management or risk management in general for the manufacturing process that we do with the FMEA, as you, as you, as you rightfully said and correctly said, Alicia, mm -hmm. but also for every support process. And, and that includes also management process. Mm -hmm. and the and the ERM in, in Ancona, ERM is, is a management process uh, that we've done for the, for the whole group uh, worldwide. And, and it's driven by the exec. Right. No, no other way. And, and this is a challenge for itself. And this, I believe, is also one of the next, the next uh, webinars. How do you understand what is a process and what is a department? 
Right. We still have those issues. And I think the discussion was quite in length during the last webinar when we talked about the process owners. Right. Uh, what is a department? What is a departmental approach in your organization structures? And, and what is the, the, the automotive process approach? So how do you identify? So this will be one of the next uh, uh, webinars. And, uh, and because there, under clause F, we also start to need to address the risk and opportunities. And, and this is the clear statement from ITF that every process that you identify run and maintain a, a successful business, if you want to call it that, a management system, yes. uh, must come under, under, under the attack, must, must be analyzed for, for, for risks and, and, and must be addressed accordingly. But who does that? Let's go back to this, to this thing. And if you, follow, if you follow these requirements and follow up in the books and lead that way, do it properly, you, you will end up with an, with, with an effective enterprise risk management system. Yeah. Because then we need the topic from last time, the process owners. But I have them, yeah. Process owners, 5113, is a clear responsibility of the top dog, top management where the ITF clearly says they shall assign process owners, they shall make sure that they're competent to drive the post yes. and make sure that they understand the roles and responsibilities of a process owners, which according to our last month's discussion is clearly not the fair, not, not, not the fair. Mm -hmm. And we need the reason why I work this into your process flow here folks is simply because the process owners are driving your ERM. That's right. Okay. And, and from that perspective, that is linked also to my 716. In too many cases, our process owners do not understand the roles and responsibilities of a process owners. They still believe a department manager is equal to a process owner, which was never the idea of ITF, but I don't want to get sidetracked now. We covered that last, last time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the process owners, we, they must come up front, they must find their voice and, 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 and run the ERM within their processes, okay? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, here's the process owner uh, requirement that I just verbally addressed. And then we go to the next step. That's the real 6116 is planning of, of, of the management system. This is where we now really get in action. That's your, your D in your PDCA, all right? So this is where it's, where it's happening, where we, where we address the actions, where we do the analysis uh, of the risks in, in the process owners' duties within their processes and, 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 and basically do the job, okay? And uh, here you can see it's part of the planning, uh, the organization shall action to address uh, these risks and opportunities within the processes that every process owner uh, calls his, his own. Yep. So then, of course, according to the 31,000, and I'll show you that later also in the PDCA circle, um, you start to analyze and evaluate because there's a lot of process data that you collect on a daily basis, right? Yes. So yeah. not only the ones that are related to risk, but to process performance, to OEE, 
to scrap rates, to rework rates, to quality issues in general. So, so the company is collecting and gathering data on a daily basis as the processes are talking to us every single day. And those data need to be analyzed and also evaluated, not for only for your common activities around to make quality better and delivery performance and efficiency better, mm -hmm. but also on the close E, the effectiveness of actions taken to address those risks. So that's another combined requirement that we need to bring together in this process flow to work through the complete effectiveness of the enterprise risk management. And that is so important for you. And I believe we also sharing these presentations to the delegate. Just talk to my technique. I was sharing that. <laughs> Marketing said yes. So we're gonna so we're gonna okay. share this presentation for, for everybody. I'm uh, sure everyone will enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and there goes my IP. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it also talks about this effectiveness of, of, of these actions during analysis and, and evaluation. The reason why this is so important, guys, is because ITF does not tell you how to do risk management. It just mm. tells you to do it. Do it. And that's why the connection to 716 to get the competence into the organization is paramount. Absolutely paramount. So after we analyze, this is very interesting. So now in 5113, now my process owners that are responsible to take the actions and to analyze the situation, they must now in 932 feed those results of their risk assessment as an input into the management review because now it's going bottom up again, all right? So, so, so the whole driving force comes from top management the process owner execute and analyze and feedback through the management review as to where his process stands. Yes. Because nothing is static. You, you don't assess the risk of your process once and then you put it in a file and let it be. No. no. Too much dynamic in, in an organization of changes, of, of external, of internal issues, whatever the case may be. So it's a constant process to analyze and evaluate and in your annual management review reports, that's usually the frequency that, that organizations choose, is that those review results must be fed in as an input for the process owners. But where are the process owners in the management review? And I get, I get the top dogs all the time in audits out there, guys. The, 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 the implementation of the process owners in the management review process. Um, yeah, how do you say that politically correct? Um, there's room for improvement. Room ah. for, okay. And that you says also on the clause E that we shall use information from the process owners about the effectiveness of the actions taken. And the actions taken in your Enterprise risk management is basically your risk mitigation action, okay? And they should be incorporated everywhere in your management system, in your policies, in your procedures, in your, in your contingency plans, in your work instructions, wherever the case may be, must be incorporated into your management system, which is also a requirement of the standard as we will see later. And this is where it makes perfect sense now. Um, 
that we then, to close the PDCA cycle, we also run into chapter 10, which is your typical nonconformity and corrective action requirements that you all know about. But, but look, at, look, look at the amount of different chapters you already covered here to get your ERM process together. We have right. chapter four, we have chapter five, we have chapter six, we have chapter um, nine, and we have chapter 10. And 10, yeah. So, so, and this makes it, makes it tricky to get to the PDCA circle and to really get to this effective enterprise risk management. Yeah, yeah. From, from that perspective, um, we, can, uh, we can see that here. So we're not only in this non-conformity requirement, we not only do your normal root cause analysis and corrective actions and containment actions, there's also two clauses which finalize now your PDCA circle in your ERM, which is updating the risks, okay? Nothing is static. So it comes out of the management review. So where do we need to update? And also make the necessary changes to your management system. Change your policies, change your containment actions, uh, uh, your, 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 your procedures, your uh, contingency plans, wherever you find your actions that you addressed in your management system and make the necessary changes. And that is now in that PDCA cycle, your, your A, this is where you then act. Okay? Yes. And yeah. uh, so, and, and from that understanding, I, I must, if you look at this slide here, I, I, I do give everybody that. So if you don't really work with these standards on a, on a day-to-day basis, uh, it, 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 it can be a, a challenge, right? Absolutely. To, to everybody. But, um, but, and if you connect now all these requirements from the ITF, they're basically stipulating all the activities as I've showed you earlier in that uh, ISO 31000 framework for enterprise risk management. So all the requirements are in the ITF. You just don't find them listed in, 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 uh, on one page under one chapter, you, you will find the requirements in different chapters that need to be connected. Um, you, you don't have to do that anymore because we've done it for you now uh, <laughs> as we share the presentation. But this is something where, where you guys need to look in, into uh, in order to, to drive that implementation process, effective implementation. As we stand, Every organization that, that carries an ITF certificate um, is, is, of course, able to show you something. <laughs> and they do. But if you have a closer look to that, it, it doesn't get us, get us very far. That, 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 to me, is too much ticking the box. And uh, most of the times they even get away with it. So, so this is where ITF also has to reconsider. Yes. But, in, but if you really want to implement that, and, and that must be in everybody's interest because risk also contains uh, workplace safety, for argument's sake. So every, every process owner, every employee in an organization should have a natural interest to support and drive a, a risk management process. But it must be driven by by by, by the top dog, by nobody else, and that unfortunately we there there's also different perceptions out there. <laughs> the statement of mine, and that also causes 
causes a, a, a problem. So, so the challenge will be to, to apply this, this, this process flow or this connection of different requirements that fit together for your effective enterprise risk management. Uh, we need the management buy-in. They need to understand that it's, they are the champions for that. Mm -hmm. But top down and bottom up, as you can see here in the management review, as my process owners need to analyze frequently, uh, what is the risk situation in my process by changing internal and external issues? And what is the review result? How do we feed this into the top dogs so that they can draw the necessary conclusions, if, if, if I may say that, right. as changes need to be made in, in our management system to, to, to keep the ship afloat? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I know for me, um, seeing this really helps um, to understand kind of all of the bits and all the pieces from the standard um, that have to come together for, for you to have effective um, implementation of an ERM. And I'm sure that's very clear for for the viewers here, uh, this this is I'm sure very very helpful. But you know, like you said, and, and you've mentioned a few times as you as you've been going through this the, the timeline here, um, that the the PDCA cycle for ERM right that's paramount, it's critical. Um, but but how does this all relate together, right? So can you show that to to everyone here in the in the webinar so that we are able to tie sure. everything together? Sure, sure. Now I. Can, I can do that also with the clear reference of all these findings. So how would this, this visualization of, of an implementation process of ERM look like in, in a PDCA? Uh, and the reason why I work this in because I always get the questions there as well. Uh, as you all know, PDCA can be applied for every identified process in the organization. So, and there is of course also one for, for, um, enterprise risk management. It's a well-known and very appreciated approach. It's not so much, not so much the visualization of the PDCA, but more the understanding as to how process management should operate effectively within the organization. That that to me is the main key. That we that we not just go into doing something as as we can see many times. And as I always said, failing to plan is planning to fail. Absolutely, every time. So, so there's gotta be a planning session in to whatever extent, and then you execute, but then also after the execution that you check the effectiveness and all the actions that you implement, is that really effective and helping us to achieve our goals and targets? That's what it's basically about. Right. And then in the acting phase, once that effectiveness has been proven, uh, then to adapt your management system and your policies and your procedures to create a new standard for the organization uh, that needs to be complied. Absolutely. So, so in, in, in the ITF terminology, if you want to call it that, um, that requirements that I tried to to, to explain and how they fit together in, in, in a PDCA DAL uh, would, would look the following way. So in, in the planning session, as you, you can see, 
you need to plan your knowledge for the organization. Uh, it is part of the planning to understand the context and the interested parties and get all the process owners and also do the first part of addressing the action, which is the risk identification. But that's all planning phase and the real doing and the real doing now would now be to, to really analyze the risk and do the risk evaluation and, 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 and run the risk response. Risk response because, and, and 31,000 makes that clear. You cannot, you cannot operate and drive and run a business if, if you're not willing to take certain risks because, and for a reason I didn't stress that opportunity part too much because we wanted to focus on the risk assessment. But if, if an organization is not prepared to, to take certain risks, and the standard talks about this risk appetite. You don't have a certain risk appetite. You don't get to the opportunities. Right. And if you, if you look, uh, Ancona is currently heavily involved in, uh, Daimler is, is just now launching their new C-Class uh, next month, two months, the W206. Right, right. And they spend billions of euros to to, for the development of this brand new vehicle. Mm. But if the market responds to this vehicle, you only see after launch, years later, after so much money being spent. So, so, so don't tell me they're not, they're not willing to take certain risks to get to the opportunities maybe of increasing market shares and, and, and stuff like that. So, so, so you need to have a certain risk appetite. You cannot, you cannot and you should not go because your risk register would look like a wallpaper, but it's gotta be a systematic approach and not just individual thoughts, I know something and document it somewhere on a piece of paper. It should be done according to a standard and it should be done and followed with the same systemic steps in every process owner throughout the organization. And that is, that, that is the key. And yeah. then you check, of course, with your with your analysis. Uh, what I haven't worked in, but in nine two two, also the quality management system audits is part of checking the effectiveness of your risk mitigation. So I worked that into your PDCA file, and and from from that perspective, it it finds its place, rightfully so. And then the management review inputs and the management review, such as, is checking. Now the effectiveness of your risk mitigations, and uh, and if that is all done, so in your acting, you you do now the update the risks and 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 the opportunities, and you change your your quality management system. Right. So this is how a PDCA process would look like for your ERM, with mm -hmm. relation to the necessary requirements that one needs to look at, in 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 in, in the different chapters of the book. Uh, to yeah, to 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 take it from there. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can definitely say that this really is a comprehensive way to look at everything, um, and I'm sure that our participants um, have found this very helpful. And I know, um, as someone who has you know done IETF auditing and and things of that sort, this type of information is is critical to follow um, everything just. 
um, individually and making sure that we understand the parts of the standard that everything refers to. So thank you, Hans. Um, I, I will say we're, we do have a lot of questions. We have a few questions that have come in. Um, so I'm gonna stop everything right here. Um, so this has been great information. Um, so I'm gonna start um, with, with the questions portion of the webinar. And if there are any other questions, please feel free to use uh, the Q&A portion of the, uh, of, the, of the function here in Zoom. So uh, we've gotten a couple of questions and, and this is a, a pretty uh, important question, I would say, it's a thorough question. So uh, the delegate asks, well, the QS 9000 was repealed many years ago. Um, however, they still see the reference manuals for FMEA, SPC, MSA, PPAP, um, and they're still being used as guidance. So um, are there any other newer manuals available that the automotive industry has agreed on or recommend to use as a best practice, um, specifically including recommendations for FMEA, you know, of course, RPN or action priority, I, I would even say with the new harmonized standard, um, SPC and CPK values for significant and critical characteristics. Um, so, you know, what, what are the newer manuals or, or are, are, there, um, are there manuals or documentation that the, that the industry has agreed on to use as a best practice? Yeah, the, 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 a variety. Yes, we, we, I think we all remember the QS9000, which is, which is not now obsolete, but, but the reference core books uh, are, are still up and running and, and alive. If you, and that was always the big, the big discussion between the big three in America, the American OEMs. Alicia, please, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. uh, our uh, ops director for, for US. But the GMs of the world and the Fords of the world and, and, and nowadays the, the FCAs, the, the Fiat Chrysler, versus the German fraction of the Daimler Group and BM Group and Volkswagen Group and, and, and you name it. Um, they, they all have the, the core tools. If, if you start, with, if you start with, with, with the core tools from the Americans and you start with the first one, APQP. APQP is a 25-year-old core book. If, if one understands how we did vehicle launches 25 years ago and how we do it today, one will clearly say that, and it's never been updated. <laughs> never been updated. So, but it's still in use. So it's probably debatable. There is better practice, and I'm not saying that because I'm a German native speaker, is what we call the majority level assurance, which would be the equivalent core book for project management. APQP is a management core book. Uh, the, the MLA or RGA in German would be the counterpart of the German, which is, which is on a new state. It's a very interactive project management core tool between supplier and, and, and OEM or customer, I should say, which, which I would see definitely in front as, as more states, state of the art. FME would be the next one. They are now, after so many years, they finally came to an agreement that we have a joint standard. It's now called the AIAG VDA FMEA Corpo. So every American, every German, they will all recognize this new standard. 
Okay, some of the OEMs already declared it as a customer specific requirement. Yep. Uh, which is, which uh, Daimler for argument's sake in their new uh, special terms 2020, they, they clearly stipulate it's already a requirement. Others will follow 23, 24. Fiat Chrysler already recognizes it in the CSI. Recognize it means don't have to really, but we recognize it. Right. So, so, but that's a joint one. That would be the, the latest, the latest version, especially for, for two modifications, because one is the process analysis in, in, in step number three, uh, which boosts your FMEAs. And the other change is that the RPN, the risk priority number has been disappeared and it's been replaced by priority. Uh, reason for that change was is because in the RPN times, you were just multiplying three numbers of severity, occurrence, and detection to get an RPN. But that technically means that they weigh that they are equally weighed. Okay. And the new action priority weighs the severity the highest, the occurrence second highest, and rightfully so the detection the third highest. So those are very, very interesting. Uh, movements with this process analysis and the action priority. SPC, look, none of the Americans have invented SPC, not the Germans, not the Americans, but still SPC is just, just a, a methodology that very clever people invented. Uh, so that is still today up, up to speed. MSA is also up to speed on both sides. The equivalent from the German ones would be the VDA uh, number five, okay, it's a little bit more engineered and sophisticated, especially on the appraiser appraiser side uh, of the of the uh, process variation analysis, and we have the PPAP. The PPAP is still still yeah ready to go. Uh, fourth edition, the counterpart from the Germans would be VDA two. They're both sophisticated. Uh, the Germans uh, closed the gap. PPAP was always in front of them. But one thing, one thing I would like to address is there's another VDA from the German side, which we don't have in the American side, is the robust production process. Mm. Look yeah. into this. This is an extremely, extremely powerful guideline in order to implement and maintain a robust manufacturing process. And the reason why they brought the attack is because we have a disconnect product design and manufacturing. The product design should be made for manufacturability, okay, on the process capable conditions. Right. There's a disconnect between the design engineers and manufacturing. And this book helps also in that interface to provide a robust manufacturing process. That is something that I would really recommend. So it's a VDA. Guideline robust production process, RPP. Mm -hmm. RPP, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, I hope that answers uh, your question, uh, Rolf. Um, so thank you for that question. Um, another question that that we see is um, so this um, Surya has has um, asked a question. So I would welcome your thoughts on how I can start a career in risk management. What are the tools required for this? And how can I show the employer the knowledge in the risk without having um, experience? Come to Encona. Come to Encona, right. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. Now look, look. As I said earlier, what's in Syria? Enterprise risk management is not really a rocket science. It really isn't. It's just a very, very systematical approach by using certain input information, as we discussed from the context, from the interested parties' needs and expectations and stuff. And it can be learned for risk risk management. There's many trainings out, uh, out there. We have enterprise risk management trainings and many other providers uh, uh, as well. So, so, so getting the knowledge and the competence is always a starting point before you execute something. Mm -hmm. that's, that's clear. But there's, there's sufficient sufficient qualification possibilities out there in in, in the training market. Not 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 only with with, with Encounter. So that is that is uh, the kickoff point. And the second part of the question was, was two. So just how do they get, um, or how do they show an employer knowledge and risk without having the experience? How do they show? Yes. So um, so I guess my under my interpretation would be um, on my resume or in an interview. Um, how would I show? that um, I have knowledge in, in enterprise risk management and to manage these things, um, but I don't necessarily have the experience of, of showing that. Um, so, I mean, I, my, my initial thought would be maybe, um, you know, just if there are projects or things that, that someone's worked through that would indicate that. But um, Hans, give, give me your, your insight on, on how that might be able to be uh, well, 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 there's a there's a variety there's a variety of different jobs where risk analysis is 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 present. You mm -hmm. may quality engineer, process engineer, an industrial engineer. They're all with risk analysis uh, involved, especially in the FMEA area. Mm -hmm. Business uh, uh, the managers or even 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 staff that, that take care of that project management constantly in every different phase deals with risk management. So if you have your formal qualification around the 31,000 and the 31,010 and the FMEAs, those typical risk assessment tools, and you can show practical example in one of those fields, ideally project management. Project management those are the kings because they understand the complete product life cycle from a mm -hmm. from development phase of product, process development, launch phase, and 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 serial life and, and end of end of end of production. And in every phase, you you, you actively deal with risk mitigation in every design phase. So if you can show uh, competence or experiences in one of those fields, definitely. Okay. So we have, um, we're going to take these last three questions, um, unless there are any other questions from our, our, uh, those who are watching from YouTube, but we have three more questions, so we'll get through those. Um, so I see a question here from um, Hacer or Acer, Coke. Um, and, and so the, the question is, um, as we all see, the world is in a transformation due to Generation Z. Um, so they see a big risk in companies due to lack of knowledge transfer, experience sharing, weak mentoring to, to the new generation. 
So how do you evaluate this type of risk uh, from your perspective, Hans? Um, that, is def that is definitely a, a risk, but, sure. but, here's, but here's the thing. And, and my, my ops team will probably not like me when I say that. Knowledge is freely available in the internet. The future of learning is not waiting till a department head says, I have one delegate that must go through an SPC or MFA or risk management training. That's not going to be future. We must be completely out of our minds to believe in that information age that we live in, that I need somebody, that I need somebody to tell me what training I have to do. The future is, and we've done this very successfully with, with Daimler here already, what mm -hmm. we'll do in the future is to visualize the path, visualize the path, if you do this competence sections and you qualify in these areas, you can become this. If you go this path, you become a process engineer and then leave the responsibility to the people. We're in a complete wrong world, but in this transformation period that we are into an industry in digital age, industry 4.0 work environment, and, and we're doing this since three years as Ancona geared up also to follow that digitalization part with our online training technologies and stuff like that. The responsibility of learning is yours, only yours. And, and knowledge is freely available. There is a reason, there is a reason why big company leaders, Elon Musk, I just heard, he said, Academics? No, I, I don't. You don't need to present me any academical grades to work at Tesla. That's the past. They got different criteria, and I can see it everywhere. Criteria of onboarding is not so much the academical certificate. It's critical thinking and other other criteria. But but one one thing you must know, my dear. Gaining knowledge and competence is everybody's responsibility because knowledge is freely available. Mm -hmm. yes. We just yes. need to change the perception. We, we, we must stop thinking, I cannot get qualified because my manager doesn't approve a CAPEX for a training. That's the past. We're, we're done with this. And, mm -hmm. and I still see it in the organization. You are the driver. You are the driver of your career. And the knowledge is there. Really. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. It's your responsibility. Absolutely. That's my two cents for, for this question. Absolutely. I hope that touches it. Yeah, I, I hope that helps as well. Um, I have a, another question. Um, this is a, a, in relation, this is for, from FAMA or FAMA. Um, is there a comprehensive list or outline of ISOs and risk management uh, beside the ISO 31,000 uh, that you mentioned? You mean a risk management related standards or what? Yes, yes, that's how I'm understanding it. Risk management related standards. 
or is there, you know, yeah. or is there a, a, I don't know if there's necessarily a list, but, um, you know, maybe you could provide some insight on, on yeah, yeah, no, no, there, there, there is. If you go on the, on the, on, on the ISO page, okay, the ISO page on www.iso.com, I don't know, come, I would, I would try first. Mm-hmm. There you can see a list of all international standards and categories and everything, and it gives you it gives you the whole nine yards of of everything that is reported or documented as an international standard. Uh, the good thing is in those standards they refer to other standards which are not carrying an ISO accreditation, but all can also be be, be useful. But uh, that's that's what I would do. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. And then um, it looks like we have one more question to answer here. Um, so this uh, Mosando asks, um, in implementing the ERM, how far down do we appoint the process owners or who, um, who should they say is a process owner because they're from a big organization and they're looking at who would be a process owner um, um, from, you know, the top all the way down to a technician. And I'm actually wondering if the last webinar could also provide some insight for, for this particular delegate as well, but um, maybe the, some the, the, This is a very clever question, I, I, I must say. Uh, mm -hmm. It ties a little bit into the discussion we had last month. Correct. Okay. Well, exactly. one must understand we have, we have now, we have now still a huge problem out in the industry that we are not living the process approach, but we, are, we have this departmental thinking. And if you look at an organization chart, uh, the way the company is structured, you, you actually, that's how you run an army. You got the general on top, then you got all your platoon leaders, and then you got your soldiers. Okay. And, and this is what I did. Okay, I understand you, and it's good to, to have for you, but I'm not interested in departments. I'm interested in... And now to come to your question, because this, this departmental thinking, you're promoting, you're now promoting the, the creation of these silos. And in those silos sitting now your kings and your queens, and they protect their territory against intruders. So it's never my department's fault. It's, it's engineering, it's purchasing, it's quality. So they start playing ping pong and judge and blame. Now ITF said, stop that because at the end of the day, a process sneaks through each and every department, okay? And at the end of the process, there's a client waiting for a quality product or service and an on-time delivery, all he wants. And he has no time for your cats and dog fights that you have in your silos and kings and queens and protection and territory and whatnot. Right. So the first thing is you need to understand, and now I'm coming to answer your question, is chapter 4.4, post 4.4 where the idea is the organization shall identify all necessary processes, okay, that the organization needs to drive a successful business. Right, right. What it's boiling down to. And each and every process may be a management process, a customer-oriented process or manufacturing, whatever, or support process, needs to be assigned the process owner. And this is the level, and this is the level that, that you need to consider. But here's the problem, and why is this relevant? Because nine out of 10 companies assign the existing department managers as process owners. Mm 
Yes. If you yes, go and order in any company, the department managers are now also called a process owner. But there was never the idea of ITF wanted the process approach to empower more people other than managers throughout the organization to really focus on specific process results and empower the organization. Right. That's the basic idea of that. Right. And uh, to, to ask the question, how far down to each and every process that has been identified, okay? Uh, hopefully not only by managers. There's so many, I meet so many sharp, clever people in every closing meeting, friends. I tell the guys, watch this guy or watch this lady. Mm -hmm. These are the guys and every company has them. Give them a process. They don't, they can still report to a manager. There's no problem. So, but on process, process owner level and their teams, this is how far down the, the, the risk management must go. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. All right, and then one last question, Hans, and then that's it. <laughs> so we can, so everyone can can um, go on and and everything. So, um, are there different risk assessment standards or approaches for high volume cereal products and low volume service parts? No. Well, so. well, 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 not different ones. If 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 you go back to the thirty one thousand and ten. Remember one of the slides with 24 different risk amounts. ITF says apply a risk assessment methodology that is adequate to the risk of the process itself. The 31,010 can help you to identify the right methodology for your need, maybe mass production or single part production, whatever. Mm -hmm. Definitely find the right methodology. So yes, there are different ones, okay? But they can all be applied in, in, in whatever way in the organization. Yes. But 1010, I would I would consult to, to, to get an idea of how many different risk assessment methodologies are there available and, and how to pick the, the appropriate one. That's the word I was looking for. The appropriate yes. one for your specific case. And mm -hmm. there might be different ones, yes, between mass production and, and, and single component. We see that between automotive. And aerospace when, when when we work the typical typical things so, so yes there are mm -hmm. great and then the last thing um actually someone has requested to perform this webinar specifically for ceos and coos um is that something that you would be willing to do hans uh that is my that is my favorite one no offense here people that's by my I do so many speeches in front of top managers and, and, and CEOs, and, and, and I love to gently provoke them, mm. but for their good. So, so, so yes, that's, that's a favorite task that we, that we do. And, uh, and uh, we also have in our training materials, ITF for executives. So we have nearly every, every topic we do specifically for executives, not for two days, three days, because they're losing, they're losing focus, but very comprehensive, and especially for their uh, personal responsibilities in a, in a very professional, but, but gently provocative style. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know, I know you get them, Hans. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for their good, for their good, not to put somebody on stage, but if you want to help 
Um, sometimes you need to bring it down before you can help them. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's, I understand. That's Absolutely. Well, everyone, we just want to thank you um, for participating today. We're, we're out of time and we really appreciate your questions, your engagement, the good feedback that we've received. Um, and, and so we're, we're glad that this has been um, helpful for you all. Um, if you do have any other questions that you that might maybe come up uh, for you after the webinar, please feel free to reach out to us um, online. Um, you can also check out our uh, course catalog and training catalog at www.encona.org. And you'll see that we offer plenty of trainings, workshops related to IATF, and we can really assist you uh, through, through, this, through your process as, as you're implementing um, effective uh, ERM. So I really wish all of you the best. Um, again, we, we really are just excited that we had so many participants today and uh, we look forward to, to having you participate in one of our training opportunities and also seeing us at our next webinar. Um, so that is actually going to be held next month. And if I'm correct, I believe it's May 18th. Uh, so please look out for correspondence on our LinkedIn page, on Facebook, um, and, and also on our website as well, so that you can get all the updates about our next webinar. So Hans, I'd also like to thank you for all of your knowledge and insight. This has been such a great conversation and great engagement with everyone. So thank you so much for that. Pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy yes. your day. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.